while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if earth the house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for another privilege to preach. Thank you, Lord, for these that have gathered for the service. And I pray, Lord, that our thoughts and our minds would be turned towards you this morning. Help our thoughts not to be on those that may not be here, Lord. We know there's some have valid reasons, others may not care. But, Lord, I pray as we worship you, O God, that you'd help us to do that in spirit and in truth. Bless, I pray, our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I want to talk to you about things eternal. This scripture here in verse 18 talks about the eternal things and the temporal things are temporary things. Uh, and uh, the sad part is that most of our energy and efforts are uh, taken up with the temporal uh, the things uh, in eternity that really won't make a lot of difference. Uh, the things that are eternal are the things that's really going to count. First of all, I'd like for us to notice that our Heavenly Father is eternal. Isaiah 57, 15 said, He inhabits eternity. Uh, in Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth, and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thy art God. This is who God is. He is the eternal being, from everlasting to everlasting. Now, my mind cannot comprehend that. I accept it by faith. Brother Thomas is talking about sight and faith in Sunday school. Well, uh, uh, I, this is one of the things that you have to <laughs> accept by faith uh, because the human mind cannot reason it out that God has always been. Now, in our mind, we think, well, somewhere, sometime, back in eternity past, God had to have his beginning, but not so. From everlasting to everlasting. Now, if that be not true, then... Uh, how could we have everlasting life or eternal life if God is not an eternal being? But he has always been. Uh, he says there, before the mountains were brought forth, or before the earth was formed, from everlasting to everlasting, thy art God. Before there was an earth, before there was a sun, moon, stars, planets, anything, there was God. And God was existed in himself. Now this is, I've explained this before, the personal name of God is Jehovah. Anytime in the Bible you find Lord in all capital letters or God in all capital letters, it is referring to Jehovah, the personal name of God. And Jehovah means simply the self-existent one. That God has existed within himself. God does not need anybody or anything. Now, that's not true about me. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. 
He gives to all life, breath, and all things. Everything in creation is dependent on God for survival. The sun draws its energy from God. The stars shine by God's power. Everything, man breathes by God's power. Every animal, every blade of grass, every leaf on every tree, every flower, everything is dependent on God. But God existed within himself. And before there was anything, there was God, and God needed, did not need anything or anybody. He is the self-existent one. He is eternal. Then in Hebrews 7, 3, says, Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. He's talking about Jesus Christ. As the Father is eternal, Jesus Christ is eternal because he is very God. He said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Jesus Christ is the Father. Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. You cannot separate the Godhead. There is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our, thy, thy God is one Lord. He is one God and existed in three persons. But God is eternal. And Ecclesiastes 3.14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it or anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. You can't add to perfection. You can't add to eternal. God is eternal. And whatever God does is eternal, according to that verse. And he does it that men should fear uh, before him. So the heavenly Father is eternal. Not only that, but the holy scriptures are eternal. The word of God is eternal. Brother Thomason is talking about all the revisions that have been done. Well, let me say, what man may attempt to do does not change the fact that God's word is eternal. And uh, whether I accept it or not, you've heard the old saying, God said it. God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. Well, that's nice. But I like to revise that. God settled it, and that's God said it, and that settled it. Well, I believe it or not. I don't have to believe it. It's still eternal. God's, God's word is not dependent upon my belief of it or my acceptance of it. Now, as far as the benefit that I may receive from it, that is true. But God's word is eternal. Now, in the book of 2 Timothy, turn there, please. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. I'll find it here in a minute if I can see it when I get there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, page 1281. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. There we have the holy scriptures, he said. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, the Revised Standard Version adds that, all Scripture, that, 
is given by inspiration of God. That changes the entire meaning of the verse. That's why God said, don't mess with the words. Because huh. if you add a word or take away from the word, you can change the whole meaning of a verse. All scripture is given, period, by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine. That's what you believe. Uh, you know, it's profitable. You want to know, know what to believe? Then, then get in the word of God. Then you'll believe right. When you back it up with the scripture, all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Holy Scriptures are eternal. Psalm 12, 7, Thy shall keep them, O Lord, thy shall preserve them. How long? From this generation forever. God said, I'm going to keep my word. David the psalmist said, God is going to preserve his word forever. I believe we have the very inerrant, infallible word of God today. We have to have it. Or else you can't believe that verse. You know, that's why I believe in the King James Version of the Bible. Now, either the King James Version of the Bible is the Word of God or something else is. Because the Bible said He would preserve it forever. So we've got to have it somewhere in some form. And I believe we do. Uh, those that reject the authority of the Bible, they, uh, you know, they, uh, uh, they basically accept the theory that as long as you accept the meaning, as long as you don't change the meaning, uh, that, uh, that uh, you're all right. Well, that's not what God said, though. He said don't mess with the words in Revelation 22. Not only there, but in Proverbs 30 and other places. Now in Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. How long? Forever. The Word of God was present in heaven. The Word of God's eternal. It was with God in eternity past. And God gave it to man. And he said it's settled in heaven. That may not be settled in some preacher's minds. It may not be settled in most of the seminaries across America, most of the colleges. You'll, be, you'll, you'll look far and long to find a college, a Bible college anymore that, that teaches them the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find that. But I want to tell you, it's still true, and it's settled in heaven. It may not be settled there, but it's settled in heaven. Psalm 146, verse 6, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. God keeps truth forever. You know, the truth will stand, won't it? It stands forever. Isaiah 48, I love this verse, the grass withereth, the flyer fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That's a wonderful verse. Now turn on over to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, I quote this verse pretty often. I want to read a few more verses in connection with it. In 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25, 1 Peter 1, 23, page 13, 12, First uh, Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. How does a person get born again? By the word of God. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, 
He cannot see the kingdom of God, didn't he? And how you're born again. Except a man be born of water into the spirit. And some believe that's the baptistry. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the word of God. Except a man be born of the word of God. That we're born again by the word of God. And if you didn't get born again by the word of God, you didn't get born again. Because that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the agent that God uses to bring about the new birth, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And then he goes on, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the Word of the Lord endureth forever. Quoting from Isaiah, This is the Word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Thank God. I'm glad when God saved me, I heard the eternal Word of God and I was able to be saved. I want to, I want to give you this poem. I used it one night in revival, if I can remember it. You've heard it, uh, heard me use it different times here, and you may not have. Uh, but it goes like this. Last Eve I paused beside the blacksmith shop and heard the anvil ring the vespers chime, and looking in upon the floor, I saw hammers worn by beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, asked I, where that war and battered all those hammers so? Just one, said he. And then with twinkling eye, the anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so thought I, the anvil of God's word for ages, skeptics blows have beat upon. And though the noise of falling blows is heard, the anvil is unharmed and the hammers are gone. And so with the Word of God, the Word of God's the anvil, and the hammers are those that are beating upon it and revising it and denying it and rejecting it. But the Word of God just keeps marching on. Aren't you glad? This is the Word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, must you hear the Word of God to be saved? Must a person hear the Word of God to be saved? How is the person saved? For by grace are you saved through faith. Where do you get faith? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Is it important that you be born again to go to heaven? That's what Jesus told Nicodemus, isn't it? How do you get born again? Right here it is. Being born again by the word of God. So it's necessary that you hear the word of God, isn't it? I believe that's what I heard. <laughs> yes. I believe I have true biblical-based faith. I believe I'm born again because my salvation rests in the authority of the eternal word of their God. Amen. And, uh, and, and uh, their, my salvation is secure <laughs> because it's anchored, it's anchored in the eternal word of God that's anchored in an eternal God. A lot of people, their salvation is based on a feeling. They felt good. They went to the altar. They, they cried, and they, they got up, and they said, I feel better. Well, I'm, I'm not against that. But I want to tell you, it better be more than that. You better have a foundation more secure than that because I guarantee you that will change. There will be times when you wonder where God's at. You wonder why God has left you. Seemingly, He hasn't, but it, you may you have that feeling, that sense.
But I'll tell you, God said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm with you all way even to the end of the world. And if your faith is anchored in this blessed book, no matter how hard it gets and how dark it may seem, you can get through it. Amen. You can walk through it. Uh, when the doubts come, devil says, you're not saved. Just take him to this book. He can't stand it. That's what Jesus did on the Mount of Temptation when the devil tempted him. And every time he gave him the word of God, every time he gave him the scripture. That's what we need to do. Our faith is anchored in, uh, in the word of our God. The Holy Scripture is eternal. Let me move on. Our hope is eternal. Our hope is eternal. Titus 1, 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hope of eternal life. Now hope, is, not hope so. You know, uh, we use hope very lightly. We uh, you know, a person may say, well, I hope to be able to come to church tonight. Well, that means you may or may not. <laughs> but hope in the Bible doesn't mean that. Hope is an absolute certainty in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews 5, 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation and to all them that obey him. I want to tell you that our salvation is secure in Christ. My hope is secure. He's the author of eternal salvation. Now, back, back to what Ecclesiastes said, whatever God does is forever. <laughs> is God the author of salvation? That's what he says right there. Read it to you, Hebrews 5, 9. He's the author of eternal salvation. And how long does God's salvation last? Last for eternity. <laughs> that's long enough. <laughs> Don't you think so? That's uh, as long as I'm going to need it. <laughs> it lasts for eternity. He's the author of eternal salvation. And if you have salvation, that's the kind you have. And now in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 12, he says, uh, page 12, 98, Hebrews 9, 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now in the Old Testament days, in the tabernacle, the temple, uh, when the priest went back there and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, God delayed judgment. It was atoned for. And atone means to cover. Their sins were covered for one year. And on the day of atonement the next year, he had to go back in there and sprinkle the blood again. And what happened? Judgment, their sins were not, their sins were not taken away. They were covered. Until one day Jesus Christ would bear all of them. Romans talks about it. The forbearance of God to take care of the sins that are past, that Jesus Christ, all those sins of all the Old Testament saints were borne by Jesus Christ to a cross. And on that cross, he died and paid the price and the penalty for sin. And John the Baptist there, when he baptized Jesus, says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
Now that was a, that was a strange doctrine. Take it away? Oh, you mean our sins will not come up against us anymore? No, he says, he will take your sins away. Hebrews says, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, if I, if I went to hell, what would put me in hell? My sins, right? People say, well, uh, if a person goes to hell, they go to hell by rejecting Christ. What if you never heard of Christ? What happens to you? Romans 1 talks about that in Romans 2. That man is without excuse. And though he's never heard of Christ, if he dies in his sins, he'll go to hell. You say, that's not fair. Yes, it is. Because God has revealed himself in creation. God has revealed himself in conscience. And if man responds to the revelation God gives him, God will give him more light and more revelation. I believe every man that wants to be saved can be saved some way or another. God will get light to them and, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, so, uh, they, a, a, of course, may I say that their punishment in the lake of fire will not be as severe as someone from Marion, North Carolina, that's had all this opportunity. Uh, but... Uh, uh, Certainly, we, we, have, we have the opportunity. Now, what would put me in hell? Sin. But what happened to my sins? My sins are gone. My sins are paid for by the blood of Christ. If my sins were all paid for, is there anything to put me in hell for? Is there? <laughs> Not if they're paid for. Uh... It's just like this uh, Monica Lewinsky thing. I'm sure you've heard of that. I tried not to say anything about it. But I use it here simply as an illustration. That she got transitional immunity, whatever that means. I'm not familiar with legal terms, but whatever all that involves, as I, if I understand it, and maybe I don't understand it completely, but I simply use it as, a, as trying to portray a truth I'm trying to get across now, is that... Uh, is that she is immune from prosecution to a point, I guess. Of course, she went out and killed someone. That'd be a different thing. But I mean, as far as that situation she's involved in, uh, the, the, I might carry a step farther than that. I am immune from prosecution of anything I've done in the past, anything I'll ever do in the future. I have, I have total immunity in the eyes of God. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? You say, you mean you're going to live anyway and still go to heaven? Well, if you're saved, you don't have that attitude. But I'm saying my sins are paid for. My past, present, and future sins are all paid for by the blood of Jesus. You say, how could that be? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, how many of my sins were future? All of them, Right? When he paid my sin death, they were all future. I accepted his payment for my sin. My sins are paid for. Now, the eternal God can only give, can only deal in eternal things. And I'm glad that he gave me eternal life. Now, if, if, I, have, if I have eternal life today, and according to the Bible, I have it now. John 5, 24 
He that heareth my word and believeth on him that see me hath everlasting life. That's present, right? And shall not come into condemnation. That's future. But it's past from death unto life. My present is secure. My future is secure. Because it's paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to talk about service, serving God, if we're going to talk about rewards and all that, that's a different thing altogether. Uh, is it important I live for God? Yes. Of utmost importance. If I'm saved, I'm going to be different. <laughs> I believe that. It's going to affect my eternity. It's going to affect my rewards. But my salvation rests in the work of Jesus Christ and Him only. My hope is eternal. Let me move on. Not only is my hope eternal, but heaven is eternal. Hebrews 9.15 says, for the, for, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Not only do we have eternal redemption, but we have an eternal inheritance. Eternal inheritance. He has redeemed us. The Bible said he's obtained eternal redemption for us, eternal salvation. Now we have an eternal inheritance. 1 Peter 5, 10, But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. And back in uh, our text in 2 Corinthians 5, and verse 1, for we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We're going to get an eternal glorified body. We're going to live in an eternal place. Because the Bible said whatever God does is eternal, right? That's why it said, not what I say. God says whatever he does is eternal. And I'm going to get a body that'll last forever. And I believe when God made Adam, he, he, made, he designed the body to last forever. You know, the body re repairs itself. But sin came and death came and we're dying, every, every bit of us is dying all the time. But isn't it good to know I'm going to get a new body Amen. that will last forever. And God's going to give me a house that'll last forever. It'll never need any repair. And the termites cannot harm it. And that song was written. You know, if you have a house, there's always something to do with it. Always repairs. Upkeep. Roof has to be replaced. And uh, this happens. And fight the bugs and all this. And, and uh, everything begins to fail and falter. But we have an eternal home. And uh, I like First Peter 1. Let me just turn there. I wasn't going to turn there, but it was, it was over there a little bit. Let's go back. First Peter 1 and first part of that chapter. First Peter 1, verse 3, page 1311. Just like our post office box, 1311. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Think of that. Thank God he said it is, it is an inheritance 
is incorruptible and undefiled. That, that place will never rot. That place, there'll be no sin. And the best part said it fades not away. <laughs> it's there forever and it's reserved in heaven for you. Brother Thomason again talking about the, how God created all the animals and all this and, and the amazing thing is, is all of them are different. Every leaf on every tree is a little different. Every individual is a little different. Even, even children born in the same family will favor one another to an extent, but they're all different. God is a God of uniqueness and difference. And he said it's reserved in heaven for you. If it's reserved for you, then you must be going to be there. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God keeps heaven for me and he keeps me for heaven. <laughs> what would be the use of reserving a mansion if I didn't show up? Would that make any sense? He said, it's reserved. It's reserved for you. And he says, who are kept by the power of God? He said, I'm going to make sure you arrive because nobody, nobody's going to get your mansion. It's yours. It's reserved for you. Heaven is eternal. First Thessalonians 4, 17, so shall we ever be with the Lord. But then finally, also hell is eternal because whatever God does is forever. Isaiah 33, 14 said, everlasting burnings. You know, I, I don't have a lot of patience for these that come around and knock on your door and say, oh, hell's not literal. They say hell means the place of the dead. And, uh, and it's not really eternal. Well, I can prove there is an eternal hell without even using the word hell. Isaiah said it's everlasting burnings. Matthew 18, 8, everlasting fire. Hebrews 6, 2, eternal judgment. Jude, verse 7, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And then in Matthew 25, Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 41. Matthew 25, 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46, These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So we see from those verses, that there is an everlasting fire in hell. Listen, if the sun can burn and burn and burn and burn and not burn up, don't you think God could create a hell that would not, where the fire would not go out? It's everlasting fire, everlasting burnings. Turn in the Bible to Revelation 14 saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented 
with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment is sent up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now that sounds like everlasting to me. They don't rest day nor night. They're tormented forever and ever. That does away with the idea when you go to hell that you just burn up. That's the end of it. Then look at Revelation 19 and verse 20 when the Lord comes to put down the Antichrist. In Revelation 19, 20, the beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And then verse 10 of chapter 20 of Revelation, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Listen, at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, the beast and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. One, at the end of the thousand-year reign, the devil is thrown in the lake of fire. And they are still there 1,000 years later. If a person goes to hell, they're in hell forever. They never get out. And they're going in by the thousands every day, dropping off into hell by the thousands and tens of thousands without God and without hope. Hell is eternal. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I deserve to go. But I'm not getting what I deserve. I got mercy. I got off. <laughs> I got to go free. Because Jesus walked up and says, I'll go for him. I'll take his place. I'll die for him. That's why I can go to heaven. Let's bow our heads, please.